What's up, what's up? How you guys doing this morning? Yeah, four of you doing great. That's good. How are the rest of you guys doing? There we go. There we go. Good to be in church. Good to be in the house of the Lord. It's always good to come to church, especially on Christmas time. We're singing Christmas carols, and, and it's just a lot of fun. Um, I love that this time of year. I've got a couple quick announcements, and the first one is this, is that um, our kids' production, Christmas Under the Sea, is happening tonight, um, and it is going to be an absolute riot. Yeah, so um, every time we do this, it just gets better and better and better and better, and, and word on the street is this is the best one yet. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be here tonight. Um, they um, at the that's, there we go, at 6 p.m. It's right there, and they'll have some cookies and cocoa afterward, so it is going to be just a lot of fun um, going on tonight at the church. And the second announcement is this, is our Christmas service is going to be on Sunday, the 22nd, and uh, we're going to do candles and, and communion and, and, and Christmas carols. It's going to be um, another wonderful time, and then that night, we have our Christmas social uh, coming up, and that's just a big Christmas party. We have a live jazz band that'll be here, and, and we'll have uh, all kinds of snacks and food, and, and so just come, bring some friends, come and hang out. Uh, these cards are all around the, the building. You can grab some to, to invite people. It has all the information on it. You can take a picture and just text it to them, um, whatever you are good with. Anyhow, grab some of these, get some people here, invite some people. It's going to be a fun, fun time. A fun time. How many of you guys are coming? Yeah, it's going to be good, I'm telling you. All I know is there was a shark costume. I, I don't know how that even fits, but there's under the sea, and there's somebody in a shark costume, and so I can't wait to see, I can't wait to see that part right there. So this is also the time where we want to welcome our guests, and, and uh, we also receive our tithes and offerings. And so if you're a guest with us, if you text the word guest in to our office phone number there, we would love to get to know you, get to know a little bit about you, help you get connected. That's your first step to get going um, around here. And then um, uh, second of all, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. And so we believe that God has given everything, has given us uh, uh, an abundance and uh, an abundance of supply, and everything he gives us is, is something that the Bible talks about, giving a tithe and an offering and, and back. It's a commandment in the Bible. So, so that's what we do around here and uh, you can do that digitally on our website or um, by texting in you can also get analog there's checks and drop boxes and stuff you want to do checks or cash but let's pray real quick over the offering heavenly father god we just thank you for all of your blessings on our life and god we just ask that that you would um, help us to be good stewards and um, of what you've given us and uh, god help these funds as they are received this morning god that they would go everywhere they go that there would be an exponential blessing on them they would have impact on the lives of many many people in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so it is Christmas time, and we are in a series called Charlie Brown Christmas. How many of you guys have watched Charlie Brown Christmas on TV before? Right, you've seen this thing, and like, it's like a, it's like a tradition. Last, year we, last week, we talked about how it's been going for 54 years now. 54 years, every year, they, they air this TV program, and in the TV program, uh, they, they read the Bible. They, read, um, they actually quote from Scripture. And, uh, and it was controversial 54 years ago. They're like, I'm not sure if we can put this on the TV, but it's been such a hit that every year it comes on and, and they preach the gospel through scripture um, through this same program every year. And millions and millions and millions of people have heard the gospel through this one program that is aired all the time. And so we thought, you know what would be kind of fun is take this Christmas traditional program and, and, and we thought it would be fun to make a series kind of wrapped around it because there are some things in there that are, that are just pure gold. And so I'm actually going to start with, um, with playing a Charlie Brown video clip from the Christmas special. I think you have a customer. I am in sad shape. 
Wait a minute. Before you begin, I must ask that you pay in advance. Five cents, please. Boy, what a sound. How I love to hear that old money clink. That beautiful sound of cold, hard cash. That beautiful, beautiful sound. Nickels, nickels, nickels. That beautiful sound of plinking nickels. All right, now. What seems to be your trouble? I feel depressed. I know I should be happy, but I'm not. Well, as they say on TV, the mere fact that you realize you need help indicates that you are not too far gone. I think we better pinpoint your fears. If we can find out what you're afraid of, we can label it. Are you afraid of responsibility? If you are, then you have hypengeophobia. I don't think that's quite it. How about cats? If you're afraid of cats, you have aneurophasia. Well, sort of, but I'm not sure. Are you afraid of staircases? If you are, then you have climacophobia. Maybe you have thalassophobia. This is fear of the ocean. Or jephorobia, which is the fear of crossing bridges. Or maybe you have pantophobia. Do you think you have pantophobia? What's pantophobia? The fear of everything. That's it! Actually, Lucy, my trouble is Christmas. I just don't understand it. Instead of feeling happy, I feel sort of let down. You need involvement. You need to get involved in some real Christmas project. How would you like to be the director of our Christmas play? Me? You want me to be the director of the Christmas play? Sure, Charlie Brown. We need a director. You need involvement. We've got a shepherd, musicians, animals, everyone you need. We've even got a Christmas queen. I don't know anything about directing a Christmas play. Don't worry. I'll be there to help you. I'll meet you at the auditorium. Incidentally, I know how you feel about all this Christmas business, getting depressed and all that. It happens to me every year. I never get what I really want. I always get a lot of stupid toys or a bicycle or clothes or something like that. What is it you want? Real estate. What do you want? Real estate. That's what I want. It's funny. Charlie Brown knows he should feel happy because he's, he's, he's in the Christmas spirit, in the Christmas season, but he, he knows he should feel happy, but he doesn't feel happy. How many of you guys have ever had that where you, you're in a situation and you, you know that like, there's a proper emotional response to what's happening around you, but you don't have that emotional response? Like, how do you process this? Everywhere you go, there's people ringing bells and there's cheerful Christmas music everywhere. But yet, in the midst of it all, you can realize, like, I just don't feel being happy in this Christmas spirit. Charlie Brown doesn't, he knows he should feel happy, but he doesn't. He's getting presents. Maybe you're getting presents. You're, you're sending Christmas cards. You're decorating the house and the trees, but you're still discouraged. You see, Lucy tells Charlie that he needs involvement. But is involvement really the answer? Like, isn't too much involvement kind of part of the problem sometimes? Like, we're so busy running from this thing to that thing and, and trying to keep up with everything that's happening. Do we plan too much at Christmas? Or maybe are we just planning the wrong things at Christmas? So what's Christmas all about? Last week, we talked about that. And that's the theme of this entire series is what is Christmas all about? We talked about how um, Charles Schultz, who was writing this thing, and, and, and they got together and they're brainstorming about it. And, and, and the writers and the directors and the producers and the executives and the executives said, we can't read scripture. We can't do that on the air. That just wouldn't be right, you know? And, and Schultz said, he said, well, if we don't, then who will? If we don't, then who will? And that's the question that poses to every one of us. If we don't share who, but gee, what Christmas is all about, then who will? 
Who will? And if, if his own followers won't, if Jesus' followers won't share, then, then who will? It's up to us. It's up, up to us to make sure that people know the reason for the season, that Christmas is all about Jesus. Every year, right about this time, people are starting, or maybe you're finishing your Christmas buying extravaganza. Then maybe you already ordered everything online and the boxes are showing up at your doorstep. Or maybe you're like me, and on Christmas Eve, I'll wander out of the house, down to the local shopping mall, and try to pick something out, some heartfelt you know, gift for my wife and kids, and, and I'll wander the, the crazy-packed Christmas Eve aisles. It's become a tradition for me now. It's actually not true. I think I got everything on Amazon already this year. But it's fun because kids make the list of what they want. And some families, they, they maybe draw names out of, out, of a drawer, out of a jar of who they're going to buy presents for. In my family, once we started having kids, all the siblings, we decided that we're not going to buy presents for each other. We're just going to buy presents for our kids, you know, so we can save the money and, and buy them, the kids, some really cool stuff. Because it's really more about them at times than it is about us. But most people spend some amount of time wondering about what they'll be getting for Christmas. This week, a big box arrived at my house. It's a present for the kids. And uh, they're not here, but uh, there's a big box that arrived. And, and it showed up, and, and, and immediately we set it against the wall in a way that the label was facing the wall, and they couldn't figure out what the box was. But the kids see it, and they're like, what would you get us for Christmas? We're like, we're not going to tell you. But what's in the box? I'm not going to, can I touch the box? You can touch it, but don't, don't, don't move it. Don't look. And they want to come over and touch the box, and they want to talk amongst themselves. What could this be? And they're measuring it out and wondering what could possibly be in this, in this box that showed up. They're, they're anxious to learn what, what they got. They're anxious to open the gifts and the presents. But while you're wondering about what you're, what you're getting, have you ever stopped and considered the fact that someone is hoping to get the best of you this Christmas? Someone is hoping to get the best of you this Christmas. Some people actually consider Christmas a problem. And maybe you've encountered those people where Christmas is a problem. Maybe you felt that way at times too. People get busy at Christmas, don't you? We all get busy. We get busy. There, there's shopping to do. There's, there's parties to go to and, and, and overspending and overeating. And, and then all that chocolate is there and you start to just eat it and eat it. And I just start to eat it and eat it and eat it. And then I start to gain the weight. And then I have to go, you know, join the gym in January like everybody else and, and start to work out to try to get rid of it. And, and so sometimes Christmas can be a problem for some people. You can feel like it's, it's, it's just too much. Individually, those things aren't bad in themselves. But when you combine them all together, it can seem like you're just swimming through the motions to get through the season. But people get emotional at Christmas, too. Because there's times where loved ones who once were there aren't there. Maybe they've moved away, or, or maybe they've passed away, and, and you aren't able to spend those holidays with those people. You have loved ones that can't be there, and, and you're overworked and overstressed, and some people get discouraged or maybe even depressed around the Christmas holidays because it's all just a little bit too much. Today I'm talking about who wants to get the best of you this Christmas. And the first one I want to talk about is this, is, is anger wants to get the best of you. Anger wants to get the best of you. And you think about it, how many times have you gotten angry in the last month or during the season because of the complications from that season? I, I, you go shopping, right? Fight the lines and the crowds and the traffic. And the, I started to hang my Christmas lights. 
And, uh, and so I, I, I have many strands of lights, and I got one strand done, and about halfway through that strand, it starts to rain, and the rain picks up and picks up, and eventually I'm like, I gotta get, so I finish one strand of light, and I pack up, and I go in, into the house, and I thought, when it stops raining, I will go and finish my lights. I just have one measly strand of lights on the front of my house. Well, I got busy, and I, I couldn't get to it, and, and now my neighbor is, is straight from the Griswold TV show, and he has every light known to mankind. I think that they can see it from space. Like, he's a landmark uh, for, for what they can tie GPS signals from. They go, oh, we start with that guy's house, and we work from there. It's, a, it's this massive amount of light display coming off of his house, and I'm right next door, and I look in front of my house, and I have one measly strand of lights on the front of my house, and he has this magnificent display next to me, and I get angry because I want my lights to look like his lights. You're fighting traffic into the store, trying to obtain the sold-out gift ideas. You ever try to save money and you're, you're, you're trying to buy stuff? We actually did this um, uh, it was two years ago, or maybe it was last year. The kids really wanted this specific Lego set. And, of course, Legos, you know, they are expensive. And so we start researching and trying to find the best deal possible. We're trolling the dark web, trying to find it. We find it on the dark web, and there's some guy selling it. He has to pay him Bitcoin, you know, because it's anonymous. And we're paying him Bitcoin, and then all of a sudden the thing shows up, and it's this Lego kit. And, and we open it up, and, and it's some weird, like, off-brand Lego kit. And, of course, as soon as we start to email or correspond back, that like, it's gone. The company's disappeared, and, and it's, it's gone nowhere. And then we got ripped off with this weird, like, off-brand Lego set that doesn't even, like, work right, doesn't connect to itself or anything else around it and it's just a total it's just, just a total mess and and so if you, get, you know I get I got angry right I get angry because because the thing is so messed up and I can't get to it or you're going or maybe you, your your card gets declined at the register have you had that you're using it so much it gets declined maybe it's because you ran out of money but maybe it's because you're using it so much that it triggered the fraud department and so they shut your card down and so now you're on tech support in line with the register and all the people behind you are like, what's wrong with this person? You finally get it cleared up but then the cashier is processing all your coupons, right? Because you have the 20% off and the 10% off and you have the cash back thing where they give you and you have to come back with the cash later, you know, that whole system. So you're like, can you, can you do the 20% then the 10% and then you apply the cash and the, and the cashier, the poor thing, and she's like trying to figure it all out and it's like an algebraic code to put into the machine and the line is backing up and the people behind you are are mad and they're like what are you doing you know i can't believe this I, I just want to get out of here i've been in the store way too long and now you just busted out with this crazy thing and, and and so then people are getting mad and angry visiting relatives how about that you go visit them and you can stay you know for two weeks three weeks oh, i'm kidding two or three days but if your relatives come and visit you and they want to stay for three weeks guess what after about three days you're like huh i know why we don't live together anymore Day number five or six, things are starting to boil, tensions are rising. About a week into this thing, you're like, Christmas can't come fast enough. And you get into fights because the anger starts to creep in. You're just sad, you're, you're angry, you're stressed out, and you start to eat. And all the chocolate's there, and the candy canes, and, and like everything is laid out, and you just start to eat and eat and eat. And by the end of it all, you've gained some weight, and you realize, oh my gosh, I was stress eating the whole time. It can be a stressful time of year. And if you allow it to be, and stress can oftentimes result and erupt into anger. You know, there's always been people who have been angry at the arrival of Christmas. Even in the Bible, somebody was angry with the arrival of Christmas. In Matthew chapter 2, it says this. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Huh. That guy got so angry, he started killing babies. I don't know if you've ever gotten that angry. I don't recommend it. But yeah, so he got really angry about this, right? 
And you compare that to this, the response of the shepherds and the response of the magi to the same exact event. See, the shepherds, it says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And in Matthew chapter 2, we, we also see the, the Magi. It says, after Jesus was born in, in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. See, these guys responded in faith and in worship. They left whatever they were doing to come and see Jesus because Jesus was being born. The shepherds, they, they left their fields. The wise men, they, they left their post and traveled for a long distance to come and worship Jesus. I want to encourage you. Don't give yourself over to anger this Christmas season. When you feel it coming up, try to get rid of it. In Proverbs 22, it says, Do not make friends with hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, for you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. See, anger is a snare. It's a trap. It's hoping to get the best of you this Christmas. But you do not have to give yourself to it. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is peace and patience. So you get to decide which one are you going to embrace. See, Christmas isn't about you. It's all about Jesus. And if we don't tell people, who will? The second thing that we see is greed. Greed starts to creep in. starts to creep into to, uh, to Christmas. Reminds me of a story. Just a few days before Christmas, a postal worker at the main sorting office found an unstamped, handwritten, messy envelope addressed to God. Curious, he opened it and discovered it was from an elderly woman who was in great distress because, of, because all of her Christmas money, $200, had been stolen. As a result, she wouldn't have anything to eat for Christmas. So the man went to his fellow postal workers and took up a collection, hopefully to replace the $200 she had lost. They all dug deep, and they came up with $180. They put the money in a plain envelope. No note, no anything. The postal worker sent it by special courier to the woman that very day. A week later, the same postal worker noticed another unstamped letter that had been addressed to God and the same handwriting. And in it, he found a brief note. Dear God, thank you for the $180 that you sent me for Christmas, which would have been so bleak otherwise. P.S., it was $20 short. That's probably those thieving workers at the post office. <laughs> it's funny. Can, can we enjoy celebrating the birth of Christ without the commercial insanity? Like when you really go out there and start looking about Christmas, Christmas is, is like Christmas discounts. Christmas savings, 50% off, 25% off. BOGO, buy one, get one free. Buy it now, and the week after Christmas, you get a, di a cash discount thing for the store. It's all commercialized. You start to look around at our world, and our world in general is just so commercialized. 
I tried to learn soccer, tried to watch professional soccer. I could never tell which team they played for because all you can see is Samsung or Delta Airlines or whatever's all over it. Like their, their logo is so small and, and the advertisements are so huge. NASCAR cars running around in circles, turn left, turn left, turn left. Those guys, right, you go, I'm going to cheer for NASCAR, and you go, look, which, which car is he in? People don't, you know, he has a car number, but, but it's so small compared to all of the advertisements that are all over the car. He's in the Charmin toilet paper car, you know, and whatever it might be. It's coming in last. It's so funny, we over-commercialize everything in life. Everything's got advertisements and banner ads and click-through ads. Oh, the pop-ups on the internet to anywhere and there's like a little pop-up of join our mailing list i'm like just stop it listen human greed is not a new thing human greed has been something that's been around since the beginning people wanting more and more and more in john chapter 12 jesus is arriving at bethany and they're throwing a, a dinner party in his honor and, and lazarus has already been raised from the dead they're, they're back in lazarus's hometown though in John chapter 12, verse 4, it says this, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Oh, I skipped a part. Sorry. Verse 3. <laughs> then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to whatever was put into it. So someone is trying to honor Jesus and worship Jesus, and Judas is thinking about the dollar signs that's there. If we were to sell that, I could put the money into the money bag, and we could help the poor. But, but really, he's probably thinking, I can skim a little bit of this off the top. Reminds me of a story. It was a few days before Christmas on the Oregon coast. Two men whose families lived next door opted to go sailing while their wives went Christmas shopping. An unexpected storm rose up and surprised the weekend sailors. Before long, the sea became angry. Their boat was being tossed to and fro, and they were having a hard time keeping the sailboat under control. While heading toward the harbor, the craft hit a sandbar and got grounded. Both men jumped overboard and started wrestling with the boat to get it off of the sandbar again. As they were pushing on this boat, the icy water is rushing over them. The waves are pushing the boat around. They're getting banged up from the boat hitting them and the waves knocking them over. They're freezing cold. They're buried, covered in sand and mud and dirt and grime. And, and they're working really hard to get this, this, bush, this boat pushed back. And, and one says to the other, man, this sure beats Christmas shopping, doesn't it? Greed will try to get some <clears throat> greed will try to get some concerning what they are not getting under the tree. Some of us will get concerned about that. What are we not getting? What's the gift that I'm not getting? Am I going to get it or not? But honestly, most of us aren't that shallow. For most who give themselves to greed, they end up disguising it as not being able to give what they want to give. Oh, I wish I could do more, I just don't have enough resources. I wish I could, if I could just have a little bit more, then, then I could do something different. We start to complain about our lack, and when we're complaining about our lack, we're disregarding everything that God's already given. And we're having this greed issue where we're being greedy over something that we don't have. 
trying to get more so that we can get to this next place, this another level. Self-pity, envy, complaining are all symptoms of blessed people who want more. The antidote to greed is gratefulness. We gotta be people who are grateful for what God has already given us. If, we've, if we're starting to have these feelings and we're starting to have this, I wish I had that, if I could only have what they have, I, I'm jealous about this or I'm envious about this, or I'm complaining about that. If you're starting to feel some of those feelings coming in, I'm telling you, turn on the gratitude for what you currently have and it will squash the greed that's in your life. Don't let greed get the best of you at Christmas. Christmas isn't about you, it's about Jesus. Depression is hoping to get the best of you this Christmas. Discouragement and depression. What's funny is, is you think with all the happiness around that people wouldn't be discouraged, or they wouldn't feel depressed. But so many people still battle that. In fact, there was a myth that said there were more suicides during Christmas time, but, but there isn't. There's a study that was done. Despite a commonly held myth that Christmas season had the highest suicide rate of all the seasons, studies have proven that across North America, suicide rates are actually lower at that time of year. Studies suggest that while the holidays can bring up some very difficult emotions, they also tend to evoke feelings of family bonds, and these feelings may act as a buffer against suicide. It's important to note, however, that while suicide rates do not increase over the holiday season, depression rates do. Numerous studies, as well as anecdotal evidence from the Mood or Disorders Association of Ontario and the Toronto Distress Centre, confirm that both the number of Severity of calls by depressed persons increases every year through November and December, returning to normal volumes towards the end of January. Why do you think people get so discouraged or depressed during the holidays? I mean, people think that it's maybe a, a benchmark time. Think about it. It's the end of the year. And in January, you made some commitments. You made some resolutions. And right about this time of year, some people are doing inventory, realizing what have I actually accomplished on these resolutions that I started at the beginning of the year. It's easy to start to look back and think poorly of yourself or poorly of what's happening. It's easy for that benchmark time to happen. You also can have memories of happier times. Maybe, maybe this Christmas season you are feeling the struggle in different areas and you can look back in your past and say, back then I had some better Christmases, my better seasons. The funniest thing is, and when we're looking back in our past, we tend to have rose-colored glasses. We tend to, to think of things better than they were in our past. We tend to forget some of the struggles and remember some of the victories a little stronger than maybe they actually were. Memories of happier times. Or, or maybe it's memories of sad times. Maybe it's just not like it used to be. People who we lost aren't with us anymore. Maybe they moved away, or, or maybe they passed away. Sometimes we can look in our past and see highlights of the past and think this season isn't as, bad, as good as that one. Or sometimes we can look into the past and, and remember the pain and trauma of something that happened in the past, and we start to relive it today, and, and it starts to trigger the emotions of what happened all those many years ago. And then when we're so busy with the season, we don't eat or sleep or behave in a normal routine. And when you don't eat, sleep, or behave in a normal routine, it actually feeds the discouragement and the depression in your life, which then, in a loop, causes you to not eat, sleep, or behave in normal routines. It's a vicious cycle that can kick in for something like this. I want to encourage you that just because you're struggling with a discouragement or depression, that doesn't mean that you're, that you're not close to God. 
Great men and women have struggled with these emotions from time to time. In fact, if you're honest with yourself, everybody in this room has struggled with it from time to time. Even me. And in the Bible, you can see this in Psalms chapter 6. It says this, My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? I am worn out from groaning all night. I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, and they fail because of all of my foes. That's a lot of tears if you're going to soak your couch. I think step one is to go rehydrate. That will help him feel better. But how did he get out of that, really? Like, like we've all been in those low moments. And, and oftentimes it happens around cheerful holiday seasons. How did he get out of it? And in fact, if you read forward in Psalms chapter 40, it says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Now listen, this isn't the magic bullet that everybody has to do, but I'm telling you to get out of discouragement and depression, you should do things that are going to help you get out of that. There are, there are approaches that you can take, and this is one that is so easy to take. This can help. I waited patiently for the Lord. When you are battling discouragement or depression, take it to the Lord. Wait patiently on Him. Start to sing some praise music. Here's what I know is that, is that when you make your God big, your problems start to get a little bit smaller. Your problems are still there. The circumstances are still there. I'm not saying it's going to take those away, but what happens is when you start to worship a God and, you're, and your God is big and your problems are small, they hide in the shadow of how big your God is. I encourage you when you're fighting discouragement and depression, that's one of the things that you should do. There may be another things that you need to do on top of that. You might need to go talk to a professional, but, but you might need to talk to somebody about something. But, but for sure, you should start with praising God and waiting on him. If you have a natural problem, why wouldn't you include the supernatural to help bring in solutions to your natural problem? There's a reason for depression. In fact, I got sad this year because my lawyer sent me a Christmas card. I thought I'd share it with you. All the lawyers are going to love this. From me, the wisher, to you, here and after called, the wishy. Please accept without obligation, implied or implicit, my best wishes for an environmentally conscious, socially responsible, politically correct, low-stress, non-addictive, gender-neutral celebration of the winter solstice holiday, practiced within the most enjoyable traditions of the religious persuasion of your choice, or secular practices of your choice with respect for the religious, secular persuasions and or traditions of others or their choice not to practice religious or secular traditions at all. And a financially successful, personal fulfilling and medically uncomplicated recognition of the onset of the generally accepted calendar year of 2020, but due to respect for the calendars of choice of other cultures or sects, and having regard to the race, creed, color, age, physical ability, religious faith, sexual, uh, sexual uh, choices, uh, computer platform, and dietary preferences of the wishy. I just responded with Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. <laughs> oh man, there were terms on this greeting you should know. I didn't put those on the screen, but by accepting this greeting, you're bound to the following terms. This greeting is subject to further clarification or withdrawal. This greeting is freely transferable 
provided that no alteration shall be made to the original greeting and that the proprietary rights of the wisher are acknowledged. Yeah. This greeting implies no promise by the wisher to actually implement any of those wishes. <laughs> the greeting may not be enforceable in certain jurisdictions and or the restrictions herein may not be binding upon certain wishes in certain jurisdictions and is revocable at the sole discretion of the wisher. Yes. This wisher warrants this greeting only for the limited replacement of this wish or issuance with a new wish at the sole discretion of the wisher. Any references in this greeting to the Lord, Father Christmas, or our Savior, or any other festive figures, whether actual or fictitious, dead or alive, shall not imply any endorsement by the, or from them in respect to this greeting, and all proprietary rights and any reference, third-party names and images are hereby acknowledged. He's got all the bases covered. I, got, I didn't get through the whole thing, and I was already feeling discouraged and depressed. You know, it's interesting, it's just depression and discouragement starts in our mind. And, and here's something that, that we know, is that, is that your circumstances in life, most of those are not, you can't change them because they're already there. Maybe those circumstances are because you made a poor decision in the past, and this is the consequence of that, of that decision. If you're on parole, and maybe you committed a crime, and now you're on parole, and that's an unfortunate set of circumstances. Some of the circumstances in your life have nothing to do with you. You didn't do anything to deserve it. It just happened. It's not fair and it's not right. But there are circumstances that every one of us have to face in life. Here's the thing, is that what you think about those circumstances really, really matters. Because your thoughts will lead to your beliefs. And your beliefs will lead to action. And your action will lead to lifestyle. And the trick of the enemy is this, is that he would come to you and say, if you had this lifestyle thing out here, you would feel better on your inside over here. But that's not how it works. You think if I just have that new car, then I'm gonna feel better about myself and my life. And you do, you buy the car, it's amazing. And, and, and it's beautiful and you drive it around and, and, and you feel good about yourself. And then the first month's car payment comes and now you're like, man, what have I done? And all of a sudden what was once shiny and beautiful, you're kind of second guessing the whole thing. You're like, why did I even do this? And now I'm locked in for 72 months you know, of this wonderful car payment. And at the end, you're paying a lot of money for a really old car because it's worn out now. Your circumstances, your thoughts, your beliefs, your actions, and your lifestyle. You see, God's way says you don't deal with the outside to try to come in. You deal with the inside and work your way out. Your thoughts are the most important thing in this process. Your circumstances may or may not, may not be changeable, but your thoughts are 100% controllable, which is why the Bible says to set your mind on things above, that God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God's ways are higher than your ways. You submit your thinking to Jesus. You submit your thinking to what God has to say about you. You start to do that. You start to realize that when my thoughts are lining up with God's thoughts. I realize that, that I'm not in a bad position because I serve a God who, who thinks I'm pretty special, enough to be able to send his son to die for me, and then he calls me his son or his daughter. And so you start to take these thoughts and start to get your thoughts to be captive to the word of God, and all of a sudden your beliefs start to adapt to that. So then your actions start to follow that, and then pretty soon your lifestyle starts to come in line. 
So many times we want to fix our life trying to work from the outside in. And I'm telling you, it starts on the inside out. And God wants to transform you from the inside out. He wants to bring you healing and restoration through anything that you've gone through. Some of those circumstances in your life have caused deep amounts of pain. God wants to bring healing to those things. And he wants to renew your mind with the word of God so that you can have proper thoughts on the way things are. Your thoughts are the most important thing that you can control. You have got to think about what you are thinking about. Actively set your mind on things above and spend time in the presence of God. Is depression going to get the best part of you this year? Or can something else have it? You see, Christmas is it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Christmas isn't about you. It's about Jesus. And the fourth thing is this. Jesus is hoping to get the best part of you. Jesus is hoping to get the best part of you. What's Christmas all about? What's it all about, Charlie Brown? We looked at this clip last week, and it's this point where Charlie Brown has the, the tree, the, the tree on, the, on the piano, and he's trying to do the direction of the play like we saw here, and, and, and people are kind of making fun of him and laughing at him. At the end of it all, he says, I don't even know. He's talking to Linus and says, I don't even know what Christmas is all about. Can somebody just tell me what Christmas is all about? And the most controversial thing back in 1950s, was that they would read scripture on airwaves. And Linus busts right into quoting out of the Bible. And this is what Linus says. In Luke chapter 2, this is what he's reading. And there were, in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Could you imagine these shepherds? It's a pretty boring job. It's nighttime. They're watching over the sheep. It's dark. There's, there's, there's no light really around. And bang, this angel just shows up out of nowhere. And they always show up and say, don't be afraid. Yeah, too late, buddy. Too late. You know, I'm, I'm terrified. And then, and then he, they break the news that the Savior is being born. You see, that's what Christmas is about, is that we were in need of a Savior God sent his son Jesus to be our savior. That's what Christmas is about. In Matthew chapter one, it says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God's here. He's with us. Jesus is with us. That's the joy of Christmas and the amazing news. All the other noise that's going around, all the discounts, all the shopping, all the pathetic Christmas light decorations, nothing but noise compared to the real news of Christmas. And if we don't tell them, who will? Who will? 
Are you gonna give yourself to Jesus this Christmas? Because Christmas, it's, it's all about Jesus. Will you bow your heads and pray? Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you that you sent your son. God, we just are so grateful for everything that you've brought into our life. God, I'm asking that you would help me and everyone else in this room, anyone who can hear my voice, God, that they would be able to give themselves to you this Christmas. That the, that the anger or the greed or the, or the depression, the discouragement, God, we just ask that those things don't win, God, and that we open our heart to you and give you the best part of ourselves. You might be here this morning and maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Today can be your day. It's actually as simple as ABC. A is you admit that you're a sinner. You admit that you've fallen short of God's standard and that you need a savior. B is that you believe that Jesus is God's son and you accept God's gift of forgiveness from sin. And C is you confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. In Romans 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Today, if that's your day, don't let it pass by. Don't let this day pass by without making a decision to follow Jesus. In fact, here's what we're gonna do as a church is that we're gonna say this prayer together. And if you wanna commit your life to Jesus, I want you to pray with us and mean it from the bottom of your heart. So church, will you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I believe you are the son of God and I confess you are Lord, that you died on the cross and rose from the grave and you paid for my sins. Today, I choose to surrender everything. Today, I choose to follow you. Show me how to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate with those who made a decision to follow Jesus this morning. Will you stand with me? And we're gonna sing one last song.